Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The Lakers are done, and yes, I'm well aware that it's only February 18th. I know we have not even hit President's Day yet, but it is over. Shut it down. down. Let's go home. Whatever that implies to you, whatever that entails for you, snap off the car flags, get ready for USC football or Dodger baseball if there is a season, or just go surfing or go blast some Botox into your grill or get calf implants, hit the beach, hit the mountains, because these Lakers are about to hit their tea times. They're done. They're DOA. They're dead on arrival. It is time to die. And yes, I know that we're at the All-Star weekend, but not the All-Star game yet. I know there are still two months left, but they are in fact finished. In fact, I can point to the very moment when it all ended. It all ended officially with this. Tonight, lobbing the AD at the spin. Uh-oh. 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 Yeah, he came down. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. It was not. Ouch. Right on the side of uh, Rudy Gobert's foot. And so, he went immediately oh, down. Head hurting and this entire crowd gasping. Down AD again. Keyword being again. Well, keyword being down. Second keyword being again. Yeah, but did you mix in a AD what's good baby in that? AD what's good baby? I thought you did. Anyway, as you probably know now, the team announced that Anthony Davis suffered an ankle injury. And initially they said there'd be a two-week window. Yeah, well, now they've already doubled that. Because, of course, they have. Now they're saying four weeks before they can even evaluate where he's at. So assume that four weeks isn't even four weeks. We knew two weeks wasn't two weeks. Anybody who saw that and say what you want about this guy and his body language, whatever you want. Question his durability. Question his toughness. I'm not here to do that. Well, I will question his durability. But there was no way if you saw that, that guy was going to miss only two weeks. If you saw the injury and you saw him place his ankle on the floor at a 90-degree angle, you knew there was no way that guy was coming back in two weeks. I mean, get the hell out of here with that. I'm no doctor. But I don't need to be a doctor to know that if you put on your foot backwards, you're not coming back in two weeks. That's my official diagnosis. My official prognosis is a non-doctor. If you put your foot on backwards, you're not coming back in two weeks. I mean, this dude's lucky he even still has a foot. X-rays on Wednesday revealed no fracture, but an MRI yesterday showed that he does have a midfoot sprain. So that delusional two-week time frame was immediately erased. Go ahead, pop the Brady Quinn post-workout shake because now you're done. Now I'm done. Now you're done. Now I'm done. Again, if they're already doubling it right now, I can't imagine what's going to happen in four weeks. It went from two weeks to four weeks. And I think it's safe to assume it's not going to be four weeks. Once again, they're not saying he'll be back in four weeks. They're not saying he'll be ready in four weeks. They are saying that he will be reevaluated in four weeks. And if that's what they are saying, then Jim Rome is saying, I don't need to reevaluate this team in four weeks. I've already seen enough. They're done. Anthony Davis is going to miss roughly half of the remaining games, and that would be the best outlook. 
It's probably going to be more than that, so it is over. They took a big-ass swing when they brought in a bunch of all-stars. A bunch of all-stars from, like, 2010. Limited credit for trying, I guess. No credit, though, for having it all blow up in your face. For real. And if you're looking for Russell Westbrook to pick up the slack now that AD has gone down again, you can forget about that, too. Never mind that that's exactly what they thought they should bring him in. They thought that bringing Russell Westbrook in was a good idea because it would provide insurance in the event that either one of the big two went down. Well, one of the big two did go down. Actually, even LeBron is playing nicked. But Davis went down. He went down earlier in the year. He went down again. And Russ is not going to be able to do a damn thing about that because Russ is a shell of his former self. And it was all a terrible fit to begin with. In other words, this has gone about as terribly as everybody expected, if not even worse. Remember when LeBron was all over the dude who came up with that playing format? Remember that? Remember when LeBron called for the firing of the guy who came up with the playing format? Whoever came up with that need to be fired, but whatever. Whoever came up with that bleep needs to be fired, but whatever. Need to be fired, but Ice cold take, Braun, because that play-in is the only way you're going to get in if you get in at all. And then if you do, you will be the quickest, fastest, easiest out there is. So stop cracking on the play-in. Stop ruining one of the most important cinematic franchises ever. You wreck Space Jam, and now you're wrecking the Lakers with all these personnel moves that you've made. Because the crew that you, Rob Lowe, assembled has nothing. This crew has zero, nothing, nada, no chemistry, no rhythm, nothing. All it is is LeBron and four dudes not named LeBron on the floor. And when he's on the bench or injured, it is the most hilarious combination of players you could ever imagine. Never forget there was that brief glorious moment when this Laker roster had LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, Marcus Saul, Rajon Rondo, and they have DeAndre Jordan, who was a force eight years ago and now can't even get off the bench. Ten years ago, that team probably goes 80-2. and two. Now they can't even make it back to 500. So I'm going to call my shot right now. I'm going to say exactly how it's going to go. This has all the hallmarks of a season where LeBron plays way too many minutes and too many of them come out where he's got to play the five. Somehow, someway, he drags them to a few meaningless wins over Houston and New Orleans, and that gives everybody a bunch of bogus, fake, false hope. But because he's already carrying an injury, he ultimately will break down and then ultimately will blame everybody that he himself brought in. Then he'll try to make himself feel better by wrecking Space Jam again by going all trilogy with it. And then I'll have to remind him yet again, dude, you cannot kill something that is already dead. And here's what else is going to happen. Russell Westbrook is going to have a game where he goes for 30, and then he'll chase that game where he goes 1 for 10, where he'll drill the side of the backboard again. Melo will have a couple of 20-point games that make people say, huh, yeah, pretty interesting. And THT will keep playing in a way that makes everybody think, 
But they wanted that guy over Kyle Lowry. AD will rush back from injury and then re-injure himself in the process. And then the Lakers will end the season by getting smashed by OKC at home and then lose to Denver with a starting lineup of DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, Stanley Johnson, Trevor Ariza, and Hillbilly Kobe. And if he's lucky, Frank Vogel can watch the entire disaster from a beach because this problem is not his creation and he won't deserve to get fired, but he will be. If all of this is eventual, and it is, why not just do it right now and make it immediate? Rip the plug out of the wall. We're good. We're all good. I'd say to play for the lottery pick, but that's going to go to either New Orleans or Memphis. I would say they could play for their second-round pick, but that's going to go to San Antonio. Rob Palenka took the less-need approach to picks when they traded for Anthony Davis. They bleeped them picks. And they aren't going to have much for a while. So I don't think Palenka can show up at the arena at the crypt with a t-shirt of a picture of Palenka and say bleep the picks. It won't work. It won't have the same effect. I'm not even second-guessing all that. It got him a ring, right? You do whatever you can to win a ring, and if you win a ring, then it's all worth it. But you make a deal like the one you made for Russ, and you are screwed. Not only are you screwed this year, but if they don't pull a miracle deal in the offseason, and I don't see how they could, they're screwed again next year. And you've got this crew again next year. In other words, they might have to run Run it back, back. run Run it back. Get used to it, Laker fan, because as bad as this first four months have been, the next two months are going to be even worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Even the GM needs to know that. They're done. D-U-N. Done. 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 Time to die. Hey, I know that sound. In fact, I love that sound. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify actually is amazing. It gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. What I'm saying is, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me. I mean, you wouldn't believe how this podcast started and what we were selling when we started and what we're selling right now. Shopify. I love how Shopify has the tools and the resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. I'm telling you, Shopify powers over millions of businesses just like ours from first sale to full scale. So reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now. Shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is my guest. Dale, 
It has been too long since you and I last spoke, so catch me up, my man. How are you doing, and how is your life right about now, Dale? Uh, yeah, it's great to hear your voice, man. Um, I love that intro every time I come on here. <laughs> like, I'm, love it. I'm glad you've never changed it. Uh, things are great. Uh, you know, you mentioned all the things that we've, we've had going on and, and where we are in our lives. Uh, just getting into the Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago was pretty awesome. Having my wife up on stage uh, introducing me was a really uh, surreal moment for me. And, uh, yeah, I'm in Daytona right now in the bus lot. Uh, where I parked for all those years uh, getting ready for the Daytona 500, and I'm going to be a uh, fan and a spectator this particular weekend. NASCAR has got a new next-gen car that everybody's excited about, so there's a lot of curiosity. There's an amazing crowd here, a lot of people, uh, more so over than I've seen in the last several years, so uh, pretty good energy on the property, and uh, just excited about the race season getting started. You know, we, we – uh, you know, even though I don't race anymore, I still am a massive fan of it and get to work the broadcast booth for NBC in the second half of the year. So it's, uh, it's a good time of year. We're getting ready to kick our season off and everybody's uh, pumped up. My man, it's great to hear your voice. What a great response that was. Dale Earnhardt Jr. joining us, talking about a lot of things. Dale, one thought about the Hall of Fame itself. You mentioned your wife was there and it was kind of surreal. I'm curious, as you go back, when you were inducted, in addition to that, what kind of things were you thinking? What kind of emotions were running through you during that ceremony? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I just wanted to have a great speech. And what I mean by that is um, when you get up in front of everybody, you're, you could either get very nervous and, uh, and, and lose a lot of your genuine emotion about how you feel, or you could uh, – get maybe too emotional right and have a difficult time delivering the speech just because of how emotional it can be it, it can go wrong in so many different ways uh because of the weight of the situation so i just really wanted to be able to go up there and say what i had to say with conviction and and it and it come across in a genuine way because it all my speech and everything that i had in there really meant so much to me and I really had a lot of key people that I wanted to highlight that were in the room. And so I just wanted that you don't get to go back up there and do that speech again. That's, that's, that's a one and done thing. You know, it's a one take. And so you have to nail it. And that was what I was probably most concerned with. And just trying to make sure that I was able to uh, celebrate some key individuals that were part of my journey and, uh, when I got done, I felt really good about it. I really did. And so we had a great party the next day uh, and had a lot of people around me that were part of part of my career and, and part of the part of the reason why I was able to do some of the things I was able to do. And it was great. It was a good moment, you know. So I, I, I will say this, like I've been to the ceremonies for the Hall of Fame, NASCAR's Hall of Fame many times celebrated a lot of people that have went in there but i've never been one of the inductees until this past month and the hall of fame their staff they have so much passion for what they do they make you feel amazing you're there for like three days doing a lot of different different um you know events and the jacket ceremony and such and such and q a's with fans and the staff really it matters to them that this is happening to you and they make you feel so appreciated and so celebrated i was really taken aback by 
by what, what it feels like to be an inductee due to the work that all these people at the Hall of Fame put in. That really made me feel great. I think that's awesome. I'm so glad that was an experience that went like that for you. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is joining us. Dale, you mentioned Daytona. Of course, you're a two-time winner, and you did tweet out a picture of yourself flying to Daytona yesterday. What was this weekend like for you when you were a driver? Well, I was always bottled up uh, with nerves and anxiety. Um probably not super pleasant to be around to be honest with you uh just you know i i and it's regrettable to be honest with you i really wished i would have enjoyed the moment more than i did but i was just so you know i i lived with this fear of failure every single minute of the day especially when you got close to the racetrack or in the racetrack or near the race car or or when the race is getting ready to happen, it really ramps up. And so, um, I, you know, it, and it's hard to really enjoy that what is actually happening to you in the moment because of that fear of failure. Uh, you want to have a good result, and that's really what matters at the end of the day is how you did and whether you satisfied this expectation that you had or everybody else had for you. And so that was overriding emotion all the time. And, and uh, so it was – but, it you know, with all you know, that said, it was still amazing. I still, it was like riding a lightning bolt. It was a great time uh, being strapped into that car and feeling like you were in control. And sometimes when you weren't, uh, realizing how wild the situation could become if you got it, if you got upside down or something at a place like Daytona. <laughs> um, I, I experienced that a few times, but uh, it's it's. Uh, I, I'll tell you this: looking out that window in that tweet of us landing, I was I, my whole feeling today. Uh, I retired in, at the end of 2017. I'm so jealous now of these drivers. Uh, watching them practice, watching them prepare, I'm looking out into the bus lot right now, seeing a few of them walking around, and I'm so jealous of them that, that they're getting ready to you know, do battle and, and go out there and race and compete, and I, I miss it so much. And I, I don't shy away from that. I allow myself to miss it. I think that having some of that, um, having some of that in my heart helps me in the boost. You know, I'm, I, it brings out that passion that I have for, for, for racing. And so I allow myself to really, I, I don't shy away from missing it. And I, I feel like that's a kind of a healthy thing uh, to, to miss it somewhat. But yeah, I wish I was strapping in and getting ready to run the Daytona 500 this weekend. And I, th- I think that's the way it's going to be every single year, even when I'm way beyond you know, the age of driving, when I'm in my 80s, I'm still going to be wishing, gosh, I'd love to be out there. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. 
quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. Dale Earnhardt Jr., my guest. Dale, this is why I have always enjoyed the conversations that you and I have had over the years and why this one is as good as we've ever had already. It's because of the way you handle yourself. It's because of how extremely honest you are. I mean, I wouldn't say that you're just a normal guy, but I think that really given who you are and the level of achievement and acclaim that you have, I think you do act and you are a normal person in that regard. I mean, this is such an honest response that you just shared, and I really appreciate that so much. And this is why I always like talking to you. I mentioned off the top that you have a podcast, and you said that's something you never really wanted to do, but you ended up doing it, and you seem like a natural. I mean, it goes really, really well. You sat down with Kevin Harvick, for instance, recently, and it felt like it was kind of a process of mending fences from a 2017 disagreement over driver salaries. What was that conversation like for you? It was great to have it. Um, I really respect the heck out of Kevin Harvick. He's a champion. He's very tough, uh, you know, rough around the edges kind of guy. Doesn't put up with any crap from anybody. And I, I always appreciated his approach. Uh, and he went into the car when my dad was killed at Daytona in 2001. Kevin took over that ride and really did a great job of of handling that as best as he possibly could with, with respect to everything, all the heartache that we were all going through. He really handled that well. It was a difficult thing for him, I'm sure. And we talked about that in the podcast. So, uh, you know, when we sort of, when me and me, when mine and his friendship or our relationship sort of went the wrong direction and uh, became challenging, uh, it bothered me. I didn't want that. I wanted to have a great relationship with him and, our disagreement and, and our frustrations with each other uh, got very personal. Um, he came. He had a he had a radio show on XM. Uh, I I was getting asked about driver salaries. We the whole you know the whole country was sort of going through this reset and a bit of a recession. I I was mentioning how that is going to trickle down to the driver salaries at some point. All the drivers are going to be affected by by all of this reset. If the sponsor dollars are moving out, if things are getting tighter in this business, it will eventually affect the salary of the race car drivers. And I shouldn't have said that. I really should. It's none of my business. I, he was in a salary year. He's trying to get a new deal. And here I am saying, well, they should expect less. And I probably should have just never made that my business. And so he was frustrated with me and went on his show and said, well, you know, Dale Jr., he was popular, but not a champion in our, in a, at, the, at the cup level. And I think that his lack of success at certain times in, in his career stunted the growth of the sport. And I was so, I mean, I, was, I couldn't believe he said that. And he, I texted him on the phone, and I was like, hey, man, why would you say that? And he goes, well, I imagine you're as upset about that as I am about what you said on driver salary. So he kind of did a hatchet job on me on his TV, sh- on his radio show, years ago and of course i was angry about that (laughs) and we didn't talk for a long time we were very you know we were we were just very cold and uh it was great to be able to finally put that in the past and i got it like i say i mean when i went into the broadcast booth in 2018 i told myself 
you know, I want to win at this. I want to do good at broadcasting. I want to succeed, and I'm going to take all of those opinions that I have against all these drivers. If I don't like a couple of them, I'm going to I'm going to shelve it. All these guys are amazing. They're great. I'm going to celebrate each and every one. At Kevin Harvick, all of them. Hmm. And you know, when they do something great on the track, I'm going to celebrate it, and I'm going to I'm not going to hold my personal opinions and. and as part of my commentary. Well, let me jump in. And, and, so, you, uh, and you, I'm, not, I'm starting to interrupt you, and you have done an extremely good job. You are a great broadcaster. The only reason I interrupt you, Dale, I want, because I'm running out of time, I want to make sure that I mention High Rock Vodka because you're like, you're a mogul now off the track. You could choose <laughs> to do anything you want. Tell me very quickly about High Rock Vodka. I've got about a minute, and I want to know where the fans can get it. Yeah. Well, right now, um, you can get it at Sugarlands, which is in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. There's also we're, we just launched it, so we're down in Daytona. You can get it at Daytona Total Wine on on the on the boulevard down there at the beach. But uh, it, you know, you're going to start seeing it in stores. You're going to start seeing it on our social media, and we're going to start, you know, shipping out here in the next couple of months all across the country. Uh, Sugarlands is the dealer. We make it. It's our product. Uh, we're not bottling somebody else's product. And uh, we're extremely excited about it. Me and my wife are equity owners in this business. This is not a PSA, a personal service agreement, for a couple of years, and then it disappears. This is a long-term equity piece that I hope to pass down to my, uh, the rest of my family and the several generations behind me. The best athletes know that your championship body is not built in a day. The same is true when it comes to your long-term financial goals. Get financially fit with M1, the finance super app. It's commission-free, and it makes growing your money easier so you can strategize for the end game. Build a custom portfolio or choose a pre-built portfolio that speaks to your goals. Then, automate your everyday money moves and use your extra time to watch the highlights. They even make it easy to stick to your investing strategy by automatically rebalancing your investments every time you buy into your portfolio, keeping your investments close to where you want them. That way, your portfolio sticks to the plan for the long game. No huddle-ups necessary. Visit m1finance.com sports. That's M with the number one. Sign up and see why money Investopedia and Yahoo Finance are proud super fans of M1. That's M, the number one dot com slash sports. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. M1 Finance LLC, member FINRA SIPC. I think it's time, though. And it's time to declare that Hefty is still Hefty. In hefty. fact, he's as Hefty as he has ever been. And I'm not talking about his weight. I'm talking about Philip being Philip. Because Philip has never been more Philip than he was when speaking to Alan Shipnook about the Saudi Finance Golf League. If you're not familiar with this, the much rumored golf league would involve roughly 14 events and a ton of cash. And it's the latter, of course, that Phil Mickelson is interested in. Because if you know anything about Phil Mickelson, as much money as he has made in his career, it's still not nearly enough. It doesn't matter who is involved. If there is a pool of money, a pool of money to go into, Scrooge McDuck will go into it. Hefty will be on the high dive, breaking off his own version of the Triple Lindy. You don't believe me? Check this quote out. This is Hefty now, an actual quote to a journal, a well-respected golf journal. Quote, they're scary mother bleepers to get involved with. We know they killed 
Washington Post reporter and U.S. resident Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. End of quote. I mean, that right there is one hell of a quote. Calling potential business partners, quote, scary mother bleepers, end of quote. And reminding everybody that they murdered a Washington Post reporter, referencing the, quote, horrible record on human rights, end quote, and saying that, quote, they execute people over there for being gay, end of quote. That's pretty remarkable. And you want to know what's even more remarkable? The sentence that comes right after it. Let me reread the entire quote with the sentence that comes after it. They're scary mother bleepers to get involved with. We know they killed Washington Post reporter and U.S. resident Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. End of quote. Talk about a record scratch. You hear somebody talk about a potential business partner is a scary mother bleeper and a murderer with a horrible record on human rights. And you're expecting the next sentence to be something like, so, I'm not getting anywhere near them. Not Philip. Not all hefty. He sees the chance to work with these scary mother bleepers and murderers as, quote, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, end quote, to reshape the PGA Tour. Can you imagine thinking something like that out lo- alone? Just thinking about that alone. Can you imagine thinking that, much less saying it out loud to a journalist? Can I repeat part of what he said? Once in a lifetime. Like, these scary mother bleepers are truly horrible, but this is a golden opportunity. Man, they are awful. They're murderers. But I might be able to increase the prize pool at Quail Hollow, so this is awesome. Man, they're scary. They are scary mother bleepers who execute people for being gay, but... I might be able to use this to get an appearance fee at the Colonial. So this is the best. I mean, look, I'd say I'm shocked, but I'm not. This is who this guy is. The shocking thing is that so many people have bought his aw shucks regular guy act for so many years. So many people watch Hefty and think, he's just like me. The hell he is. The only thing you might have in common with him is that you might be a little out of shape too. But other than that, unless you're looking to work with alleged murderers and human rights violators, you've got nothing in common with Hefty. And you never have. You're an average Joe. He's a rich mother bleeper looking to work with some truly scary mother bleepers so he can be an even richer, more disingenuous mother bleeper. Except this is the one time where he's actually being genuine and saying, yeah, man, they are some bad, bad dudes, and they're scary as hell, but you know what? They can make me money, so I'm into it. Hey, remember that insider stock deal back in the day? This guy will do anything for money, 
And this latest round sums up this guy in a nutshell. If he sees a chance to make more money, he will get in bed with anybody. I mean, what's next? I don't know. Jeffrey Dahmer. Man, that was a scary mother bleeper. A serial killer and cannibal. Hefty probably would have seen that as a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to increase the pot for the FedEx Cup. John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown. Now, that was a scary mother bleeper. Convicted of 33 murders. But old Hefty, he would have flipped that on its head and seen it as a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to eliminate the silly season once and for all. The Green River Killer. Now, that was a scary mother bleeper. At least 49 victims, maybe closer to 90. You could say he had a horrible record on human rights. So why would Hefty even consider working with him? I don't know, because it might be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to change the T-box on 16 at Riv. The amazing thing about that Mickelson quote is that he's not even saying that the people involved aren't who you think they are. He's saying they're exactly who you think they are. But I can still make more money, so as long as they don't off me or do any of that to me, I'm good, and it's good. In fact, it's the best thing ever. Because while somebody might get killed, I'm going to get paid. He's not even saying, look, I get it. They've got a bad track record, but you know what? They've changed. They've committed to a different approach now. Or that he didn't know who he was dealing with, and now he does, so he's going to move along. No, he's saying, yep, I know exactly who they are, what they do, and I don't give a damn because this could be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make NFTs off my swing. He's not even willing to overlook the murders and the executions. He's actually sort of kind of embracing it. And I'm not even sure if he's doing this because he loves money or wants money or because he actually needs money, right? The dude is a legendary gambler. And as Shipnook points out, the guy who's made 94 mil in PGA Tour earnings sold his Gulf Stream in 2019. And folks definitely took note of that. One person close to Hefty told Shipnook, quote, he loved that plane so much. It was like his fourth child. I was absolutely shocked that he sold it. The only reason I could possibly imagine him doing that was him feeling serious financial pressure. I don't know. Maybe all the gambling has caught up to him. Maybe he really needs to work with these scary mother bleepers in order to stay afloat. Justin Thomas was asked about the comments, and he said, quote, seems like a bit of a pretty egotistical statement. End of quote. Yeah, I'd say so. Then again, what else would you expect from Hefty? What else would anyone expect from Fig Jam? Just when you thought Hefty could not out-Hefty himself, he does it again. Is Charles Manson still alive? If he were, Hefty would team up with that monster in a golf venture if it meant getting that golf string back. You know, I keep some private jet. If Richard Ramirez were alive... Hefty would partner up with him if it increased coffee sales. Better not fall asleep with my guy Richard here roaming the streets. But drink more of our wellness blend coffee.
special coffee blend for wellness. Hey, let me ask you something. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login info for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all your entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So, you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. So, get rid of the clutter and the confusion, and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. I use it, I love it. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. Now, you can come at me and say, well, let me turn that around and put it in the form of a question. What is the craziest stat in basketball this season? You might come at me with DeMar DeRozan breaking Wilt's record for most consecutive 35-point games while shooting better than 50%. Or you could come with Wilt averaging 48 and a half minutes per game for an entire season. Or with Wilt's other career stat, how many times he got nice in the bedroom. These are all good stats, all worthy of best stat ever. But as good as they are, I'm not sure they're the best I've ever seen. The best stat, not only this year, but any year, dropped yesterday, and it's kind of mind-blowing. Lids released a report on the top-selling NBA team and player jerseys around the country. Now, it should come as no surprise that LeBron and the Lakers are the number one-selling jersey in 30 states. Actually, knowing the way you tweet, I am actually kind of surprised by that. It's a lot of Braun hate, but he is number one in 30 states. MJ is number one in Illinois. I know, surprise, surprise, mother bleepers. MJ's number one in Illinois, South Dakota, and Delaware. Kobe is number one in Alaska and North Dakota. Then things get a little weird. Like it makes sense that Dame is number one in Oregon. Like it makes sense that Joker, Giannis, and Donovan Mitchell are number one in the respective states where they work. However, follow this. Vince Carter is number one in Maine. And West Virginia. Steve Nash is still number one in Arizona. And then my favorite stat ever. Do you know who has the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama right now? Guess. Who's number one in Alabama? Mike freaking Bibby. (laughs) Not he shows up or he's moving a few. He's number one in Alabama. Can I repeat that? Mike Bibby is the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama. Not even Chris Webber from back in the day or White Chocolate. Mike Bibby. A Kings legend being the best selling jersey in Alabama. What are you going to tell me next? Is Vlade number one in Iowa? Is Peja the best selling jersey in New Hampshire? Mike Bibby is number one in Bama. The hell is that? I'll tell you what that's got to be. And, and I'm pro Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby used to come on the show back in the day, and I met members of Team Dime. I love these guys. 
but there's got to be an accounting error, right? Has to be. Charles Barkley is from Alabama. Robert Ori is from Alabama. Artis Gilmore is from Alabama. My man DeMarcus Cousins. Chuck Person. Eric Bledsoe. But none of them are outselling Mike Bibby, who was born in New Jersey, who went to high school in Arizona, who went to college at Arizona. He played for Vancouver, Sacramento, of course, Atlanta, Washington, Miami, and New York. I'm not seeing any Alabama on that list. Anything about him that reeks of Alabama. I don't even know if my man's ever set foot in Alabama. So, why is his jersey the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama? Like, I've got to know. Which jersey is the best selling one? Is it the Grizzly jersey or the Kings jersey? Or are the real heads going for the Washington Wizards jersey that he wore for two games? Because that would be amazing. But really, the biggest question is this. Why is Mike Bibby the number one selling NBA jersey in Alabama? And according to Twitter, the answer is, have you seen him lately? No, I mean, seriously, have you seen my man lately? My man is bleeping jacked. Do it. Do it right now. Do it right now. Go to your th- your phone. Thumb it out. Go to your laptop and bang it out on the keyboard. Look him up. This dude is absolutely jacked. He put the basketball down and he picked up a weight. All of them. Every weight. And is spending every moment of every day in the weight room. Don't tell me that Mike Bibby is huge in the state of Alabama. Mike Bibby is huge in every freaking state. The state of Mike Bibby is huge. Mike Bibby looks like Aaron Donald. Look it up. I'm not saying this for effect. Do it right this second. Look it up. Mike Bibby looks like Aaron Donald. No, check that. More accurately, Aaron Donald looks like Mike Bibby. Right. Mike Bibby, smallish point guard back in the day. Aaron Donald looks like Mike Bibby. If Mike Bibby wanted a second career as a D-end, I would give it to him right this second. Hell, I'd give Mike Bibby whatever the hell he wants right this second. Like, one of the fascinating things on social media is every few months, somebody tweets out a recent pic of Mike Bibby, and the internet loses its mind all over again. And by the way, I do too. It's mesmerizing. Like, the pictures don't even look real. He's that enormous. And I kind of get it, right? Because the guy is in crazy, crazy shape. When most athletes retire, their body changes. Maybe they slim down from their playing weight. Maybe they lean out. Maybe they stay in shape. Or maybe they get a little bit bigger. Like, remember last week on Radio Row? Terrell Davis looked amazing. TD looked incredible. He looked like he could still play. Mike Bibby, though, looks like he's Mr. Olympia. I mean, this dude looks insane. Or maybe they do what you losers love, which is they put on a pound or two because they're no longer on that crazy regimen, that crazy routine that they had to be on. 
Rare is the guy, though, who gets stronger in retirement. Mike Bibby is that guy. Like, when you see him, the question is not, why is Mike Bibby the best-selling NBA jersey in Bama? It's, why is he not the best-selling jersey in every other state? If Mike Bibby went to the other 49 states and asked to be the best-selling jersey in those states, trust me, he would be the best-selling jersey there. If I saw Mike Bibby and he said, yo, Rome, what's up? I don't know, sir. What's up with you? And I'd run to the nearest store and I'd buy 10. Like, I'm not a big Jersey guy. But if Mike Bibby asked me why I didn't have his Jersey, I would say, how many would you like me to buy, Mr. Bibby? Let me tell you something. If he asked me, that'd be the only shirt that I owned. I would do my hits on the NFL Today on CBS wearing a David August suit and a Mike Bibby jersey. In fact, no offense, David, you're my guy, and you know my style I owe to you almost completely. But if Mike Bibby ever asked me if I had his jersey, I would show up on the set of the NFL Today and CBS no longer rocking my suit, which I'm always proud of, but just Mike Bibby's jersey. Suit by David August, jersey by Mike Bibby, except just jersey by Mike Bibby. Hell yes, he's number one in Bama. How is he not number one everywhere else? Look him up. Gentlemen. Let's go, y'all. Welcome to the jungle. What's going on? My name is Jim Rome. Back to my familiar haunts. Actually, I didn't have to go that far. The rare Super Bowl that was right up the road. What's cracking? Welcome to the show. A tremendous week on the road. Wait a minute. Is he getting soft on me now? Ding. We got to go to Javier's. Is that not the best place? I don't know Wait. about the best place. This is the spicy challenge, not the sissy challenge. This is Santa Barbara. They probably see it be like, why they keep playing this? So, right off the top, hate to come in here and say, I told you so. I'm not that guy. Yes, I am. I told you so. Yeah! Here comes Donald, and he spins through around the Rams, celebrating I mean, this dude, 99. Put that team on his back in the fourth quarter, and with the game on the line. Just like he always does. Whose house? Rams house. Whose Super Bowl? Rams Super Bowl. Super Bowl. He is Eric Weddle. Love the show. Always had my back the longest, so I appreciate you. The dream was dead five weeks ago. Took it, ran with it, and now Super Bowl champ, man. It's crazy. Email. I was the elephant in the room. During halftime yesterday, signed 50-ton cent. Keep coming with your lame fat jokes. It's the epitome of triple U. Bengal fans do not say that it was the refs who tried to tell me that the fix was in or the league wanted the Rams to win. Not when T. Higgins nearly decapitated Jalen Ramsey. Michael Lombardi joining us. Zach Kelly wouldn't have got off the field if Al Davis was alive. If he was given the ball to Perrine and not to Mixon, it would have been a hell of a thing. Get over it. I try to make the best possible. Already, I'm sick of it. Retire or don't. I don't even care. (laughs) Nobody wants an entire offseason of this. Are you retired or not? You never say never. How many times are you going to change your mind? Leave Tom Brady alone. Let him live his own life. Signed Darva Conger. We are joined by their G. GM, Nick Casario. Nick, how are you? Awesome, Jim. Forgot to mention fellow clone on that introduction. Definitely a clone. Ah. Actually, I have a jungle-related story and a smack-off-related story. Spent time with our local media. Unbeknownst to me, Sean Pendergast, he was the Cabin agent. And I said, man, you were a pretty good call at the Rome show. And then we proceeded to talk about Jeff and Richmond, his 18 to 3 quarter inch pipes and his luxury sled. That's how I roll. A three-way parade. Maybe they could fire Frank Vogel from a parade float. Greatest idea in the world. 
emails. Jim, did you say a three-way parade? Count me in. Sign number six, Steve. I said a three-way parade, not a threesome. I got off social media two years ago. Best thing I ever did. Getting you to get off social media. You make it sound like Weddle is going to these restaurants where he knows they hang out. Oh, hey, Sean. Didn't know you'd be here. They called him. There are still things from that period of your career I remember so vividly. Like the idea of Isaiah Thomas going to a Red Lobster. I remember that being a huge part of it. From Red Lobster. That pod was pretty incredible. Here is a look at James Harden tonight. I mean, dude ate his way out of Houston. Maybe he's already decided that he hates it in Philly, too. And he's trying to style or bad dress his way off that team as well. Twitter. Philly was my first choice, too. Signed F. Bueller. It doesn't make any sense. You see, Wood? That's why you never get in. <coughs> Elmo, do you have a beef? with Mike McCarthy making my friend Cookie Monster sad. He ate all the cookies and almost ate his hands. <laughs> I've got massive beef with I don't pee in the shower guy. I once had to fire out a torpedo in a public shower in Ensenada. Oh my God, Abby, really? My granddad's meds. I, ooh, granddad's juice. Stumbled into grandpa's medicine cabinet. That's what you're going with. We want email. Instead of driving all the homeless away, they should have given them Rams jerseys. Come on. Ernest Jones is my guest. Oh, it feels exactly how I thought it would. It's still, like, surreal for me. I'm still kind of in the moment. Like, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It is Tony Baselli. We go way back to the L.A. days, so I'm glad you're still trucking. So I want to say R.I.P. Calvin Davis. I'm very sorry to hear that. The people watching and listening right now don't care about callers from 20 years ago. They want to hear Calvin Vegas. Rest in peace. I'm every smack-off guy's favorite caller. That's because I'm the best to ever do this. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is my guest. Well, I was always bottled up with nerves and anxiety. Probably not super pleasant to be around. And it's regrettable, to be honest with you. I really wished I would have enjoyed the moment more than I did. Ah, to you. If you think that I was going to do that with the TV cameras rolling, you got nothing coming to you. Everybody, ah, to you. Romeo Snagliopoulos. I feel like in some ways you helped invent the internet. What a stud! Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you. Welcome us back to the jungle. F them picks! Facial bloat. Uh-oh. 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 Look forward to catching up at some point down the road. Super Bowl champ, baby. Always in forever. Woo. What is the latest part of the show that Alvin can work into his week that was? It's always that. Alvy, you ready to roll? Roll it. Yeah, Let's go, y'all! Good night!